2: My name is Jake Witroba and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Armand Kafai and Steven Joderan. On this episode of the show, we speak with MLSsoccer.com writer Sam Stasekul as he helps us preview the upcoming MLS season. Please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you leave us a five-star review. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Unc Sam soccer Pod. Leave us comments, questions, concerns. We always enjoy your feedback. Now, let's get to today's episode.
1: Fellas, how are you guys doing? We're good. MLS is a week away, guys. How are we excited are we?
3: I'm so excited to see all those white MLS jerseys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i didn't know we uh i didn't know rick flair was on Whoa! this episode of Uncle Sam soccer podcast
3: aren't y'all excited to see those white jerseys that black diamond Colorado Rapids jersey that's white actually white that's, a, that's a nice jersey i have to say it's, hey, it's you know, nice hey, i like it i like it but it's what but the black diamond like it's a bit misleading right yeah I, I feel kind of catfish you know It's like when you you go look at it, you find a chick on a dating app, and it's not what it seems, you know? It's not what you signed up for. I think we all
1: know what uh, catfishing is, Armand. I don't know. We don't need to talk about your personal love life. Um, Yeah, you're right. Seriously, though, 2019, guys, are we actually excited for MLS 2019 to begin? (laughs) Because there's so much soccer, and we have so much access to soccer. It's just like another league that begins. You know, you have... The Premier League, you have UEFA Champions League, you have the CONCACAF Champions League, you have international friendlies, and then all the domestic cups, and then you have the Indian Super League to track. I mean, it's just so much soccer. How is MLS going to capture our hearts again? That's
3: that's a great, a, MLS that's, is our league. Come on.
2: How uh, well, can, come on our league has to capture our hearts. I don't know, Armand. I mean, he did say Indian Super League. That's, oh, you're right. You're right. some. I know, I know, I know that there's the Premier League, there's La Liga, there's Bundesliga, whatever. But the Indian Super League, that's a tough league to compete against.
3: I'm excited for MLS. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite leagues to watch, even though it takes feels like it takes forever sometimes. And there's all these, there's so many fun games that happen, even though there's some pretty bad ones as well. Um, but overall, I'm pretty excited to see what happens, and I'm excited to see slot on year two. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm really excited to see his thoughts on year two and see uh, how he's going to perform in his second year in MLS. Yeah, I'm
2: definitely curious to see if he can break every record in MLS like he said he's going to. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for MLS uh, to start. I'm kind of sick of being a fake fan, a quasi fan of one of these European teams and just kind of casually watching along. I uh, definitely want to see some domestic action and. You know, they see how it's just, just see MLS unfold. I mean, it's always, it's always different every year, too. So, um, I know Steven's the Euro snob. He's the resident Euro snob on this podcast. So I know he's not as excited as Armand and
3: myself, maybe, right, Steven?
1: No, it's,
3: it's just another league. I'm going to have to. Steven hates out. MLS. I Steven don't hate MLS. No, no, no. Steven has a When we, when Steven first started doing podcasts, he hated MLS. No, I mean, Steven's, I went combined, to the games. No. Okay, what's the game's bubble? I don't care. Then Steven started liking MLS. Oh, okay. And then we started doing his pod. He started loving MLS. And now it's back down to I hate MLS. So there you go. This is the trajectory of Steven's uh, MLS love and hate. So I don't think it's an accurate opinion to ask him how he feels about MLS starting up. It,
2: it ebbs and flows when he, uh, depending upon which, uh, the revs. No, it depends <laughs> on which market he's living in. Uh, you know, he, he was a huge MLS fan when he was living in Dallas. And then he moves to Madison and now he's now now he's, he's full a big, mingo. he's a big he's, league 1 guy full he's, mingo, big, yeah. he's he's a big league 1 guy now
1: <laughs> yeah i'm going to pay attention to more league 1 that's for sure i would i mean i know I mean, i'm not kidding i will just because i have a team in my backyard it's it's a lot I easier would. to track and follow the club that's in your backyard versus a club that's hundreds of thousands of miles away anyway Lots of storylines headed into 2019 MLS. Let's just quickly begin with some formatting change. This is the 24th season of Major League Soccer. 24 teams, guys. FC Cincinnati joins the Eastern Conference after winning the USL regular season last year. So yay, promotion. Woohoo! Somebody's getting it this year. Some uh, new soccer stadiums coming up. Allianz Field in Minnesota. Jake, how excited are you for that?
2: It'll be all right. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. 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 Should be fine. Wow. Should be fine. It'll be okay. I don't
1: okay. know. Well,
2: yeah. Ask me uh, Ask me on April uh, 13th when we uh, – April 13th or April 12th, whatever day uh, that Sunday falls on. Uh, ask me when, when we record the show, and I'll tell you how great or not great Allianz Field is.
1: Oh, we will absolutely get your hot take on that. Playoff format changes, fellas. Only one team gets the first round by. Bye. There will be seven teams from each conference in the playoffs, so a total of fourteen. Furthermore, a whole calendar flip, Armand. This is massive.
3: I really like the moves because they're trying to beat out the whole that 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 weird lapse when you have that November FIFA break, and, and they're trying to beat it out. And they do a good job of doing that. They get the MLS Cup right before those FIFA dates, and I think. After we saw what game was it? It was DC and Columbus. That with that game, that one off, that knockout run game with the atmosphere, the passion of that one legged, uh, one leg game. I think it kind of made sense. Hey, we should go one leg, you know, and we should go one leg playoffs. And we've seen the competitive, I guess, disbalance between, you know, teams that have a higher seed versus teams that have a lower seed. And the lower seed usually advancing over the guys with the higher seed uh, because they have that first home game. I think it's a massive change. I think it's gonna be a good change. I think we're gonna see a lot more entertaining soccer, contrary to what other people think that you're that you're gonna see more tournament football.
1: Yeah. So MLS Cup will be on November 10th, which can, is a I, can I can I get my
2: one gripe? Can I get my one gripe about the the format change? Okay. Let's hear it. Here we go. Is there is there any reseeding after the first round? There isn't. There isn't. That's not. That was one thing. I'd, that's I, I don't uh, like yeah. that. If if the seven seed beats the two seed, the seven seed
1: should have to play the one seed, not not the three seed or the six seed. You know what I would do? My solution is uh, drawing of balls. That's what I would
3: do. Higher seed. Oh my the game. god! That's all he. That's all he talks about. I swear that's all he talks about. It would be so cool balls.
1: to see. I don't know. You, you anticipation of the matchup. How cool would that be? They do it for the FA Cup. That's fun. It's a spectacle on TV. This is a way for MLS to do it. Think about it. If the NBA did this or freaking NFL, do you know the the TV eyes glue to television? The TV ratings for that massive. I'm telling you, it's a good idea. Might it's gonna happen? I, I I'm pretty sure they're gonna do some sort of ball drawing. Maybe with the U.S. Open Cup. That might be first. Anyway, six new MLS coaches: Frank DeBoer, Atlanta, Luchi Gonzalez at FC Dallas, Mark DeSantos in Vancouver, Mateus Almeida at San Jose, who might look to be leaving already, Guillermo Barros Galotto at LA Galaxy, and uh, Mr. Caleb Porter in Columbus. Fellas, out of the six coaches, which coach are you more most excited to see at their new club?
2: I'm, I, there's a couple coaches actually on here that that have me intrigued. I mean, obviously Frank Boer, I think should have us all intrigued just to see what he can do in MLS and what he can do with all that talent. Uh, I mean, judging by their CONCACAF Champions League result uh, last week, he might need to go back to the drawing board and rethink some things. I think Matias Almeida is also somewhat interesting too, just because, as Steven alluded to, this guy might already have one foot out the door trying to get back to Mexico. And and, and Scalotto with LA Galaxy. I mean, that's that's a big name hire for MLS coming from Boca Juniors. He's got uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic to work with, who wants to again break every record in MLS. What can he do with LA Galaxy? Can he restore the basically bring them back to their glory days of a few years ago? So those are those are a few names I'll I'll be watching or that that have me interested. Armand, who who do you
3: like? So uh, you you talked about half the list. So I'm gonna have to. <laughs> well, just <laughs> talk about game. the other half. Just talk about the I'm other half. Games. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about the other half. Yeah. Um. You know, I've I've seen a lot of Lucci Gonzalez. Obviously, at my work at Pro Soccer USA for FC Dallas, I'm really interested to see what he's gonna do. He seems to have very, I guess, very. Now, don't call me crazy, but Pep Guardiola esque ideas in terms crazy. of. In terms of in terms of wanting possession of the ball, a high press after losing it. Berhalter um, is this Berhalter esque? It could honestly, it can be. It it, it honestly can be. Uh, Gonzalez is a lot more tactical than Oscar Pereira was. Um, I would say. I'm really interested to see how that's going to go with him. Um, I think. Look. I don't think Estudios is going to win every game they play, and they might lose the way they st- the style they play, especially when you play out of the back with players that you know some of them aren't comfortable playing out of the back. But hey, like why not? You know, I don't think MLS Cup is like the main priority. I think it's building a base and going towards MLS Cup in the following year or the year after. Um, with Mark Dos Santos, I'm interested to see him. His last head coaching job was with the San Francisco Deltas of the NASL. Uh, they won, they won, they won the title over to Cosmos, and they folded. So he went to well, – he, he was an assistant coach at Bob Bradley. And I'm really interested to see because he had a lot of success to the Ottawa Fury as well. So I'm, and just, I think Vancouver is honestly one of the wildest cards. Some of the players they signed, I'm honestly not sure if I've ever heard of him. Um, and also this, the way he's going to coach, I think it's been kind of under the wraps. We've heard a lot of Luigi Gonzalez, as I have, but not that much of Marco Santos. And Caleb Porter, I mean – can he revitalize the team? Is that sabbatical really help? Are we going to see a really impressive Columbus side? Or are they going to take a dip because Greg Berhalter was so tactical and had specific instructions? I'm interested to see how all these coaches do, to be honest. But, you know, Jake stole my first list. Wow.
1: There you Sorry, go. babe. So we basically just previewed all new MLS coaches, five teams in the CONCACAF Champions League. Obviously, go back and listen to our show Yesterday with Joseph Lowry, where we discussed those teams in CONCACAF Champions League. Let's move it on here. Sam Skaseko will be joining us on the line.
3: Joining us right now on the show is MLSSoccer.com's Sam Skaseko. Sam, thanks for joining us today. How's
0: it going? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Going pretty well. Thanks.
3: Sam,
2: thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Let's get started in the Western Conference here, more specifically with the LA Galaxy. Are we going to see the Galaxy make a move to be roster compliant, or is MLS actually going to try and grant some sort of
0: exception for them? Um. Well, there's not going to be an exception they are going to have to make a move giovanni dos santos might still end up on their roster um, but if he does he's going to have to be bought there's going to be have to have to be some sort of arrangement where his salary is
3: a million and a half
0: or less and he's bought down targeted allocation money so I expect that will eventually happen at some point here in the next few days. Roster obviously opening day is next Saturday, so they have to do it before that. Um, I'm not sure roster compliance date has been officially announced yet, um, which you know. But usually it's 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 the Thursday or so before the season opener. Um, so they're going to have to figure this out here within the next oh 96 or so hours. And uh, you know, but I, there's not going to be an exception. They're not going to be allowed to pay Giovanni four million or six million dollars this year um and, and and has him on the roster uh with their other three designated players but um by hook or by crook i think i think he'll be back
1: sam what type of team will we see out of the la galaxy we know what happened at the end of last season ibra comes out he wants the win he expects he expects himself to break every mls record possible but is it realistic for the galaxy to be a contender at the end of the season
0: uh, I think so. I mean, if they make it into the playoffs, I wouldn't really want to bet against Latsan personally. Um, and I fully expect them to make it into the playoffs. I think what we saw from them at the end of last year was, the most part, positive, except for that uh, last 45 minutes against Houston in the finale. <laughs> um, but I think they kind of got the formula right. Um, and, you know, I think that's some sort of a 4-4-2 with Latsan and Ola Kamara up top, and then Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos in the middle. Um, you know, they have a new center back, Diego Palenta. Um, I believe that he played alongside Daniel Steris in their final preseason game um, with Jorgen Skelvik at left back, which is his actual position um, and not where he was playing last year. He was a center back. Where he had a ton of pretty well-documented struggles, and it was one of the major reasons why they they had such a tough go last season. So, you know, they, they weren't far off, obviously, from making it into the playoffs last year. Under the new format, they actually would have made it in in seventh place. Um, and I expect their defense to improve. Their attack should still be great with all of the talent that they have up there. Um and, and I fully expect them to be back into the playoffs and with the new format, single elimination, uh anything goes, right? And if I'm in a single elimination game, uh season online, I want Vlotan on my team.
3: Absolutely, Salmon. Last week, you, you reported that the Rapids, Colorado Rapids were locking up Kellen Acosta, and then they announced that they were locking up Kellen Acosta, Diego Rubio, and Keegan Rosenberry. What was the, the, the thinking behind that for the Rapids? Um, obviously, Kellen has that 50%, tra- uh, 50% of his transfer would go to FC Dallas in 2020. Um, what was the thinking behind those moves for the Rapids, and what do you personally make
0: of those uh, transactions? Yeah, so on Acosta specifically, you mentioned kind of the key factor there, that through 2020, 50% of any transfer fee would go to FC Dallas. Um, so they, they had offers that they turned down this winter, one for $3 million and another for 3 dollars um, But when you consider the fact that half of that is going to Dallas, it kind of makes sense why they would turn that down. Now locking him up, um, his previous contract was going to expire after 2012. He had this year guaranteed and then an option season next season um so if you if you don't lock him up you're probably you're not going to get any good offers um that you're going to keep all 100 percent of um once once you get within 12 months right of his contract expiring because then teams can sign him for a pre-contract six months before it expires and then just get him for free once once he's a free agent um so if they want to ever move him on they kind of needed to get him a new contract and needed to extend it um but i think i see him as a key piece as well with with the other two and, and this is sort of kind of the overall thinking with the Rapids, um, you know, they, they feel like they are they have some decent pieces, some decent young pieces with Acosta and Rosenberry and, and Rubio that they can build around. Um, they don't have the high-end pieces that the best teams in MLS have. I don't think there's any secret about that. Um, but they don't really have the ability to go get one right now because they have Tim Howard and Skels and Gashi on the books for one more year. So when those contracts expire at the end of this year, they'll go out and they'll get uh two younger designated players. Um I'm not saying they're gonna break the bank or anything like that, but you know, they'll probably go out and get a number 10. Maybe they'll go out and get a striker, maybe they'll go out and get a winger. Some attacking players they can really invest significantly with. And and the idea is that those two players or maybe even three players, depending on how things go, will kind of carry the team and these guys that they've locked up um will be, I don't want to say complementary pieces, but will kind of be the key pieces around them. Um, that they hope can take them up a level or two and get them to be a consistent playoff team.
2: Well, Sam, you, you kind of answered my next question here, but I'll ask it anyways. You know, we've, you've talked about all the additions they made uh, this winter with uh, Rosenberry, you know, locking up Acosta. Uh, They also added Benny Fellhaber and and Diego Rubio. Is this team going to surprise some people this season?
0: Uh, I think they have the potential to, um, I mean, I, I just kind of went through and, and, and did like a little bit of a first draft of a playoff list. I didn't have them in the West is tough. Um, I think if they were in the East, I would feel better about their chances certainly. Um, but no, they have the potential to they have some decent, they have some decent pieces, you know, uh, Jack Price, Kellen Acosta, Benny Failhaber in the midfield, uh, Cole Bassett in there there is a young guy that they're high on Kai Kamara and Diego Rubio up top. Um, The question for me mainly with them is, is that back line um, and are they going to be able to stop people? Um, And I, I don't really think they are, (laughs) Um, or at least not well, at least not well enough to kind of compensate for any, any sort of growing pains in the attack as, as all these new players come in and sort of adapt to a diamond midfield, which is a hard system to pull off. Um, So I think, I think they'll miss out, but I think by the end of the season, um, you know, if we have the same conversation again next year, uh, we could have, we could be looking back at Colorado saying, "Okay, they finished eighth. They finished ninth in the West." But I like that team going into twenty twenty.
1: Sam, um, is Sporting KC kind of flying on the radar at the beginning at the of the season right now? Just, um,
0: based- I think I think they were before they beat Saluka three nothing. I don't know if they are anymore. Um, you know, I mean, Kansas City, what can you say, right? They're mm. just completely consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get with them. And I think there's a little bit of an unknown this year dealing Ike and how is Andre Fontos going to look and how is he going to hold up over the course of the whole season. Um, early returns last year, you know, he couldn't break into the lineup. Um, his first game this season uh, looked pretty good um but kansas city are really deep they're strong in just about every single position i fully expect them to contend for the top spot in the west in the regular season and uh and they'll probably fly under the radar compared to the seattle's and la teams and even portland's of the world um but yeah i mean peter Vermes is going to have that group um back contending for the top of the west i think once again um so yeah really strong team there before
3: we move on to talk about some of the Eastern Conference team, Sam, in your eyes, what makes the West so stacked compared to
0: the Eastern Eastern
3: Conference this season?
0: Um, You know, it's interesting. You know, I think we talked the kind of the narrative around the East and the West the last couple of years was that the East had overtaken it. And I think at the top of the conference, um, that has been true. You know, Atlanta obviously have been the class of the league. Red Bulls are right there with them. Uh, Toronto have taken, it seems like, a pretty big step back, but they were there. Um, but the West is just a lot deeper. When when you try and pick the seven teams for the playoffs pretty early in the East, you get to, uh, there's a lot of big question marks here. But when I'm thinking about the West, um, you know, I can just rattle them off. Seattle, Portland, Kansas City, LAFC. Um, I think those are all locked in playoff teams for the most part, barring catastrophe this season. And then you have the Galaxy, and then you have Houston, and then you have RSL, who I think will make it. And then you have some teams below them, Minnesota, Colorado, Dallas. Um, you know, Dallas, you can certainly make an argument that they'll be in that top seven for sure. Um, that, that they're right there. And I wouldn't be surprised in the least if any of those three teams made the playoffs. When you look at the East, you know, you have Atlanta, you have the Red Bulls, uh, you have D.C. after them, and then sort of what's next, you know? uh columbus should probably be in that mix new york city Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of questions there toronto fc we saw what happened to them in champions league um and you know they're they're down vasquez and Javinco, and still no replacements they will get them in but you know it's it's kind of like okay you have atlanta and the red bulls but what next and in the west there's just a lot more depth in my opinion
2: all right, Sam. Let's let's move it over to the east then, and let's uh, let's talk with the ML the, the defending MLS Cup champions in Atlanta United. Is there anything you saw from them on Thursday night that you would find concerning? Now, I get it. This may be way, 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 way too soon to read into uh, into the performance, but is there anything you saw that
0: uh, kind of left you, I guess, shaking your head or
2: uh, concerned?
0: There are a lot of things that left me concerned. Um, there are not many things, if any things, that can't be pretty easily corrected, however, in my opinion. I'm not really worried about Atlanta in the long term. Um, you know, that's an that's a unique environment for your first game as head coach and trying to install a new system for Frank DeBoer, right? And I think he made a couple of key mistakes, right? I don't I don't know why he put Michael Parker first out wide and Miles Robinson in the middle. Um, you know, you want Parkhurst in the middle to organize, uh, you don't want him out wide due to his lack of athleticism. Robinson has that athleticism. He can run with guys. You don't, you know, he's, he's probably a more comfortable one-on-one defender, certainly on the break than Parkhurst is. That's a really easy fix that, you know, would I think make them much better right away. Right. Um, you know, Darlington Nagby, I'm sure will get his way back into the lineup. Obviously he had his, um, I guess drama during the preseason would be one way to put it. Um, but he's, he's happy and back with the team now. So I think he'll get his starting role. I think that makes it better right away. You know, they're going to have to fill out, figure out this new system for sure. And they're going to have to figure out um, Barco, who I thought was, you know, really pretty bad in the Champions League. Um, you know, if they don't get much out of him, then that's a concern, certainly. Um, but, you know, another thing that's really easy to, collect, to correct, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez was terrible in that Champions League game. He's not going to play like that all the time. He's a good center back. He does have a bit of a high-risk um, playing style sometimes, and we saw how that came back to burn him against radiano But again, things that can be corrected, things that can be ironed out, and things that I, I expect will be corrected and ironed out, even as soon as their they're second leg, I actually, actually expect them to, to beat radiano and get through. Um, so I'm not concerned long-term. Some warning signs there, sure. Uh, I think they can and should be easily corrected, though.
1: I guess it's a question of time. We'll see what happens with Atlanta United. um, my other question with Atlanta United is, are we going to see a team that is so dominant like we saw last season, even though that they didn't they didn't go on to win the supporter shield?
0: Um, I don't think they'll be quite as dominant just because you know that's second year with mostly the same group um and they're losing probably their two most influential pieces from that group uh in Tata Martino and Miguel Almiron. Um So even though they, they have the most talent in the league and they have the most expensive team in the league, um, and I expect, I mean, on paper, they're the best team in the league, you know, there is going to be some adjusting, right? Uh, there are going to be some things that they have to iron out. So are they going to be 70 points again or whatever it was last year? Uh, maybe not. Uh, but I fully expect them to be contending for the Shield, um, if not winning it outright.
3: Now, Sam, with FC Cincinnati's addition into the offseason, they've signed, I guess, multiple might be an understatement, but multiple defenders. Um, Lots of center defensive mids, that interesting acquisition of Nick Hagelin for that first allocation spot. What do you make of what they're trying to build for FC Cincinnati? Do you think this team could compete for a playoff spot
0: in the East? Uh, well, we will answer your second question first. Um, no, I do not. Um, I don't expect them he to agrees with me. That, uh, <laughs> like, at all. Like, and, and I would challenge anyone that, that does think that to, to, to just, I mean, they're going to be under siege almost every single game by design. And that just takes its toll over a whole season. And they don't have anyone in the attack that can pull a string. It's going to be strictly defend and counter, defend and counter, uh, and hope for, hope for some good luck on set pieces, which to be fair, they have some good weapons on set pieces. Um, so they should be pretty good at those, but, you know, I mean, I think when I look at Cincinnati, I don't think they're going to be good. Obviously, I don't think they're going to be embarrassingly bad. However, this season, I think, you know, they kind of looked at Minnesota and saw what happened to them, particularly at the beginning of their expansion season, because by the end of of their first year, Minnesota were actually getting some respectable results in there and didn't finish that terribly. Um, but, you know, they're not going to give up 70 goals, right? They're not going to bleed uh, 7-1 results, 6-1 results, right? They're not going to they are not going to be that type of team. Um, they're going to, ideally, if everything goes right for them, they're going to make things really difficult. They're going to be really tough to beat at home. Um, and, you know, Fernando Adi is going to be engaged. And Greg Garza and Elvis Powell and Darren Maddox and Roland Lamar are going to be able to get him the ball in dangerous positions. And they're going to sneak some goals past you. And they're going to win a lot of, two one one zero games at home and and fight fight you and make things difficult uh when they're on the road um i I just don't think that's going to be enough over the course of a season i don't think they're going to be terrible Uh, i think they're going to be a a respectable underdog if that makes sense um but in the end uh i just don't think they have the quality to really be a contending team for one of those top seven spots East.
1: sam Moving it to the crew, who have now been saved, we have new leadership under Caleb Porter. Do we see the crew competing again like we saw with Greg Burhalter and a fan base rejuvenated to come back to and support their club?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's largely the same team for the crew. I mean, Milton Valenzuela going down is, is a big blow for them, certainly. Um, and, you know, new coach, new system or we'll see actually how, how much of a new system I expect him, Caleb Porter to keep things pretty similar, but there will obviously be tweaks here and there. Um, and yeah, I, I, I expect Columbus to come back um, and, and be another be Columbus again, you know, be solid, be consistent, be strong in the back, get goals through Giassi's artists. Um, and, and really when I look at them, Justin Miram and Pedro Santos, didn't really produce much at all last year. So if you can get more from them going forward, then there's no reason they can't be a better team this year. Um, So, you know, we'll see. But Columbus are are pretty rock steady, in my opinion, even with the coaching change. Um, And I think uh, good things will be on the horizon for them, Um, you know, with Caleb Porter and new ownership uh, and Tim Bespachenko running the club there in Ohio. I think they'll start to spend more money going forward. Um, And I think they'll be – I think if they keep things things going, there's no reason they shouldn't be a a player uh, for years to come.
3: All right, final question from us, Sam. If I'm going to give you two slots, not just one, but I'm going to give you two slots. Name two players that we should watch in MLS that could move to Europe uh, that we could be talking about as potentially being kind of like Al Maron or even like a Tyler Adams uh, at this time next year. Oh,
0: interesting. That's a good question. Um, you know, Albert Ellis is a guy that jumps out right away off the top of my head. Um, I don't think he's going to have the sort of impact that we've seen Almiron and, and Tyler Adams have already with their European teams. Um, but, you know, obviously he had some public, very public uh, transfer rumors and reports going around. So it would not shock me if he's a guy that ends up sold here within the next 12 months. Um, in terms of other guys, God, I'm blanking on names right now. Um, but, I mean, Lucho Acosta, right? Um, you know obviously there's the PSG interest again I don't think he's a guy that will have the sort of impact that an Almiron or a Tyler Adams will um, in Europe but you know certainly one that could move um, you know I don't think but uh, you know we'll see there um, and yeah uh, I expect more young players to start to head over you know I think this is kind of a real paradigm shifter for the league um, this offseason just in terms of you know, the money got so much bigger um, for in terms of outgoing transfers um, and, and the fact that Almiron and Adams in particular have had such an impact already. And obviously it's very, very early days for both of them, particularly Almiron. But the fact that that those guys are playing well sort of validates. Uh, MLS as a market in the eyes of European clubs, and I think you're going to have more and more teams coming over here. You're going to have more and more MLS teams willing to sell. I think the owner's thinking on these things has sort of changed a little bit, and I think the prices that Almiron and Alfonso Davies went for in particular um, are going to set the market in a place where MLS teams simply aren't going to be able to turn these offers down. Um, And so I think think it really was a paradox this winter in terms of MLS becoming more of a selling league. Um, and no one should take that the wrong way. That's a good thing. Every league in the world is a selling league. Every team in the world, including Madrid and Barcelona and Man City and all these things, all these teams sell players. Every club sells players. So MLS will hopefully be more involved in that ecosystem. I think that's only, that will only mean good things for the league. There will be some changes, um, but more money, it'll mean more money coming in, um, which will likely mean more money going out. Um, which will mean a better and improved product on the fields, and more fans, and better soccer, and everything we all want to see. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I think it was kind of a paradigm shift this winter, like I said, and I only expect more and more in the future.
1: Well, Sam, we appreciate your insight. Just I want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and plug yourself, where we can find your work, where we can find you on Twitter, and anything else you would like to include. Sure
0: yeah so thanks thanks for having me on first off um but yeah you can find my work at mlssoccer.com doing a lot of writing and doing more video stuff this year for them um and then on twitter just at my name Sam Staceful. that's s-t-e-j and then my that should pop up from there <laughs> but uh but yeah i think that's all i got but uh thanks again you guys for having me on all
1: right we appreciate it. thanks again sam
2: Thank you so much to Sam Stayskull from MLSsoccer.com Soccer dot com for joining us. A lot of good insight there, a lot of good thoughts, a lot of good opinions. Guys, what were your
3: biggest takeaways? Um, I guess I'm gonna say I'm you know, I'm kinda aboard the uh the Colorado Rapids mystery train, if that if that's a thing, you know? Um I'm interested to see how they do. I mean if they have this long term plan, as Sam was saying, of you know, Let's get these guys to support some young DPs and see Tim Howard and Gashi's contracts expire. I mean, that kind of gives a longer leash to Anthony Hudson, though, because this isn't, I guess this is kind of like part two, season two of the soft launch, and then you're going to see them evolve and go spend some money in 2020. Um, I mean, I'm interested to see how that goes, and, uh, you know, like, I think the Rapids are going to be a really interesting team, and I'm interested to see how how they're going to do, especially when you lock up, you know, Kel Acosta. Uh, Long term, which I don't know what that means for his MLS career, is against an MLS rest of his career. Honestly, I'm not sure. You get Diego Rubio, who I mean, I was playing around with some numbers um, earlier last year, and he was one of the more efficient scorers in MLS, if not one of the most efficient scorers in MLS in his limited time. I think Keegan Rosenberry, who had a phenomenal rookie campaign, but you know, kind of fell off. A lot of these, a lot of these changes are really um, interesting for me. And like Stam said, maybe we shouldn't expect them to compete this year, but I'm interested to see how long of a leash they give Anthony Hudson, especially, you know, if they really are planning towards goal, you know, all in in 2020.
1: Yeah, my big takeaway is the fact that he says the West is stacked compared to the East. I mean, if you look back last season, Red Bulls and Atlanta United were the runaway trains of the Eastern Conference and then everybody else. Meanwhile, in the West, it seemed to flip every other week. Some other team was the one seed. I mean, it just continued to flip, flip, flip. I wonder how that's going to play out this upcoming season. Is there going to be a power conference? Or will we see the same thing like last season where the East seems to be dominated by two clubs and then there's everybody else. And the West, with all the transactions, say like a Colorado's made, we don't know what's going to happen with FC Dallas. We know FC Dallas' record over the course of last season under a different coach albeit minnesota they've invested heavily will they be able to compete the galaxy are going to want to do something then you have lafc rsl you have um seattle portland these teams that seem to be competing for playoff position we don't really know how the seating is going to work out for the west i think the east seems to be a little more predictable
2: my biggest takeaway from the interview, and you guys have alluded to it in text messages to me since we uh, spoke with <laughs> Sam, or at least during the interview, uh, Sam is not on the FC Cincinnati hype train like I am. Oh, he, Sam,
3: Sam is one of us. He's one of and, us. Uh, he would no, wait, wait, wait. I,
1: I don't know what's, tra- I've, I, don't, I haven't jumped trains yet, or I haven't even boarded a train on FC Cincinnati. I'm still at the station.
3: Oh no, I, I'm on the I'm on the I'm on, I'm on the train with Sam. We're, we're in first class, drinking you know, a couple a couple of brews. Like this is you yeah, know, first class no and you're
1: drinking brews. You should be drinking. Okay, whiskey. man, some
3: rose. What do you want me? Okay, like, hey, man, like chill not out. Not rose,
1: whiskey, something whiskey, Scotch,
3: something fun. I'm inexperienced. Okay, relax. <laughs> I just turned twenty one like six months ago. Yeah, Come we on. know. Move it on. Anyway. I'm. I'm just
2: saying he's just not not on the train. He he did say he wanted to take anyone to task who thought they'd be good this year, and I'm not saying they're going to be great or fun to watch. But I just think with all the added uh, defensive depth, I think they can give teams problems. And I get that they really don't have any attacking pieces outside of Fernando Adi, but they are going to be the anti-Minnesota United. They will give themselves a chance week in and week out because they aren't going to bleed goals. And I think if they're able to get it, you know. Points on the road away from uh, Cincinnati, I think that that'll that'll bode well for them as long as they can uh, turn Nippert Stadium into a, for, a fortress. Do you do you think
3: Jake? Let me ask you this: Do you think that sort of defensively they're fine, but the lack of offensive, as Sam kind of was talking about, the lack of an offensive outlet, it'll just w- wouldn't that just prolong them to more and more pressure, and then you know it, it could be just like a dam that just finally breaks in the end.
2: Yeah, it could, but didn't we also see the Colorado Rapids do this a few years ago too?
3: Was it was it, was it two or 3 years ago in their master mastery with Jermaine Jones? Yeah? Is that there, is there They somewhere? were
2: just they 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 didn't concede any goals really in Colorado. They were the best defensive team in MLS and they they just grinded out results. And I, Look, Sam even alluded to this too, which if you're going to say the East is is soft after Atlanta United and uh, New York Red Bulls and DC United, obviously. If you're going to say after that, the the talent in the East really falls off, I don't think it's that outlandish to say, hey, uh, FC Cincinnati might find a way to sneak into the playoffs. Well, that about does it for today's show. Make sure you keep an eye out for tomorrow's episode where Joseph Lowry of The Athletic joins us in the counterattack with yours truly. We'll give our predictions on how we think everything will unfold in MLS this season. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Follow Arman Kafai on Twitter at Arman Kafai and Stephen Joderan at Stephen And you can follow yours truly at Jake Watroba. Again, please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you leave us a five star review. For Arman and Stephen, I'm Jake, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Deuces.
0: My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus Classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. My Penn State Classroom is getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus Classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. It's home to thousands of students working together with faculty to advance our careers, change our careers, or finally earn our degree. My classroom is just like every Penn State classroom because it's getting me to where I wanna be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.